Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. So I've had one of those weeks where I get completely prepared and ready to preach to you. And then two days ago, I just did not like what I prepared. So I'm going to give it to you anyway. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So come up with something new and um, hope it's much better. To me, it was much better. So I guess I'm hoping that uh, it's better for you as well. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Have you ever had a person come up and ask you, Will you please tell me about Jesus? Good. Doesn't happen very often, does it? I've had it happen a couple times. Even on a Sunday morning, and I prayed with a young man back in the library. Um, Had a mission team break down at the Fred Myers gas station, oh, 10 years ago or so. And they called the first number they could find, and I happened to be at the church, because I'm hardly ever here. Um... (laughs) And I answered the phone, and they said, hey, could you um, maybe put us up for the night? We're on our way to Mexico, and um, we broke down over here, and our bus has to be fixed, and so we need a place to stay the night. And I was like, yeah, I think we could do that. And I thought about how we could set it all up. So I drove down to be able to lead them over and took our van to to haul some of them over. And uh, as I pulled in, I just sat and watched for a few minutes, and them milling around in the parking lot there, and, and uh, things weren't quite as developed as they are now, but they were milling around. I looked to see who the leaders were, who I should approach, and then I had an idea. I should ask them to tell me about Jesus. So I went up to a couple of them that I thought were leaders, and I said, hey, I've had these struggles in my life, and I'm really hurting right now, could you please tell me about Jesus? They're on a mission trip, right? And it couldn't hurt. And their faces just went blank. Like, um, uh, can we, um, can we take you to our leader? (laughs) So they, they took me over to the, to the minister and I introduced myself and, um, their faces, turned to smiles, thank goodness, as they learned that I was the minister from the, or one of the ministers from First Christian and um, got to bring him over here. But it doesn't happen very often that we're asked that question. Will you please tell me about Jesus? If it does happen to you, it'll be a wonderful opportunity for a great conversation about your faith. But that's not usually how the question or what the question is if somebody's coming up to you. It says, 
Do you really believe all that stuff about God? Why do you spend so much time over at your church? If there's a God, why do so many bad things happen? Today, as we look and be, get ready to tell others about the hope that we have, I want to talk about what we do when someone comes to you asking questions like these. And I especially want our youth and our younger adults under 50. All of us, please listen, but I might be careful. Okay, under, under 75. <laughs> our younger adults. Um, so we're the ones that probably are going to get most of the questions about your faith at school, at gatherings, at work. And although grandparents, we get plenty of those questions from our grandkids, questions that sound something like, why do you go to church with your parents? Isn't it kind of lame to dress up on a Sunday morning? Which, well, we've kind of got away from in the last... 10 years or so of dressing up as much. It says, do you think God really hears you when you pray? How about this one? Why is church so boring? Or at communion time, I've got this one from my kids. Why are the snacks so small? Back at junior church, they gave us fish crackers and, yeah. When someone asks us questions of these kinds, we need to love them and give a serious, thought-out response. And the question you answer will probably be the same one that we asked earlier. Will you please tell me about Jesus? When you hear any of these questions, really the question they're answering, asking is, will you please tell me about Jesus? And today I read from the first letter of Peter, chapter 3. The part to which I draw your attention of these words, always be prepared to make a defense, to explain to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that you have within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. This was a letter to the churches of the first century from Peter, the head of the church. This letter went all over the Christian world. And among the things that he chose to tell them was always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. So today, am I on? Oh, good. Getting away from the speaker. So today, I'm going to call on a few of you. I told Amber I wasn't going to leave the, the pulpit. I lied, Amber. I'm going to call on a few of you to stand up and give an account for the defense that you have within you. So I've already planned out who I'm going to go to and ask, and you're going to stand up and you're going to give the hope. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the fear in some of your eyes. <laughs> That'd be tough. 
I wouldn't want that to happen to me on a Sunday morning, let alone sometimes anywhere else. It's kind of tough. But do we really believe this stuff? Do we really believe what Christ is telling us through his word? Why are you a Christian? Is God really good? Why do you dress up on Sunday mornings? Does God hear my prayers? People are both challenging your faith and reaching out to you for something that they see, which they lack. And we're called to respond. So how do we respond? The scripture says to do it with gentleness and respect. When someone asks you these kinds of questions, let love for that person flow into your heart. Think of him or her as someone whom God loves and someone whom God wants very much to be in a close relationship with him. Chances are that the Holy Spirit has led that person to you. And think about the fact that God has put you in a position to play a role and bring that person that much closer to a saving knowledge of him. But remember, be gentle. God is a God of love. Relate to the questioner in such a way that he or she is able to tell that God loves them. You know, we believe that the greatest need of the world is to be saved from sin and death. If you're a Christian, that's what we want. That's what we believe. We believe that people need to be saved. They need to know who Jesus Christ is. But you don't convey God's love by telling someone that you're going to hell if you don't repent. There was a day that that happened quite a bit. Like, we would just basically tell them, well, you're going to hell if you don't repent. I have a brother. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is online now, isn't it? Hopefully he's not watching. <laughs> I have a brother who's a minister in Tennessee, and he preaches some incredible sermons. He knows the scripture well. He went to Emmanuel. He got his master's. He's getting his doctorate. He probably has it already, just doesn't tell me. But his compassion for God's creation sometimes is lacking. He'll see people in certain sins or a different denomination, and he'll basically tell them and everybody around that they're going to hell. He has no problem just expressing it wide open and out where everybody can hear there's no gentleness, no respect. And um, I just don't believe that that's the way to get your point across. Amen. That we need to be gentle. Gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are those qualities that you see in a person who is filled with the Spirit of God. You find these qualities listed in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's a good list to use for almost anything or any situation in life of a Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is a great way to keep us in check 
and to help others in check with where God wants us to be. I teach our youth Galatians 5.22 to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have a poster in the youth room and I refer to it often and, and tell them that we need this in our life. So that when others encounter us, we're as much Christ-like that we can be. Peter says, when you tell others about your faith, do it with gentleness and respect. After all, the purpose of your response is not to defend yourself. It's to bless the person who confronts you. Remember, whatever he or she is asking you, the question you hear, will you please tell me about Jesus Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. He is the source of all of our hope. Remember, Jesus is the source of hope. If we take this gift of Jesus and regift it, give it to somebody else, so we take our hope and we regift it to somebody, then we ourselves need to know that Jesus is hope. And we need to be living like Jesus' hope. Now, you may be thinking, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not somebody who loves to go around telling other people about Jesus Christ. I met a true evangelist um, one time, and his name was Willie White. Arlene, you knew Willie and Loretta. An incredible man. He went all over the Northwest uh, and probably beyond, telling people about Jesus Christ. He was in the 50s through the 80s. He did most of his work then, and he was a pastor in one of the uh, churches that, uh, not a pastor, an elder in one of the churches that I served in, my first church. And he knew the Bible inside and out. He wrote books. Uh, one was called uh, Comprehensive Evangelism and Becoming a Christian. And growing a Christian, I mean, he, he has several of them. I have them upstairs if you want to take a look at them later. Um, he's able to take any assertion or argument with confidence and persuasiveness and with gentleness and respect. If you got to know him, I mean, he was a res great man of respect. He, he was calm and gentle. Willie impacted many lives and a lot of people came to know Christ because of his work. Willie was in my first church, as I said earlier, and um, I got to preach my first sermon in front of him. It's a little hard to know that you're preaching in front of a, an evangelist. Also, that Sunday, two other preachers came to visit him and were in the audience. It was my Shortest sermon I've ever preached. <laughs> I think it lasted seven minutes on a good day, maybe ten, if I really stretched out the truth. And I just remember shaking my head thinking, what have I done? But Willie was just as kind as could be. 
he could have corrected me, he could have sat me down and said, this is what you needed to do, this is how you needed to deliver it better, this is... He didn't say any of those things, and none of those preachers did that were there that day. They came and gave me encouragement and to love and told me to keep on and that it could only get better from there. So if we don't have that special gift of evangelism, you're off the hook, right? Peter tells us, all of us, evangelists or not, always be prepared and ready to give an account for the hope that is within you. We may not have all the special gifts or that we think that we need to have, but we do have the good news to share of Jesus Christ. So what do we say? What do we say if somebody comes to you and says, share with me about Jesus? First of all, make it personal. Personal stories have the most impact. And the beauty of a personal story is that it can't be contradicted. Unless it's too far out there. Then okay, maybe a little. It's your story. They can't be right or wrong, but only express your experience. And in your personal story, what you want to convey is how and why Jesus has been real in your life. Has he shown you the way when you were lost? Has he granted a prayer to heal you or someone that you love? Has he confronted and comforted you when you were alone, confused, grieving, or defeated? Has his word given you strength to endure through hard times? Have you felt his love expressed through people in your church? All of these are personal experiences of lo the love of Jesus. All these are things and reasons for hope that we have within us. And these are things which any human being will resonate with. Someone may discard your experience or question your good sense, but they will hear the truth from a person who knows the Lord. So the first thing is to tell your own personal experience of Him. I'd say as a teen that I wanted to believe that people, that every, I wanted to believe everything that my youth pastors were telling me. And they would express the love for me, they would express how important I was to God, and they would just go on and build me up. And I had a lot of youth pastors. I think through middle school and high school, I had 14 youth pastors from uh, then NCC, now Bushnell. And they just build you up as much as possible. Well, about 15 years old, I was uh, having a time when I didn't believe it. I'd go home. My parents are yelling at each other. They're screaming. They never talked about God. They didn't even believe in God. 
I watched my brothers and sisters and they were doing things that they shouldn't do, even though they were going to church. I'd see some of the other kids that went to youth group and they were living lives that weren't so good. I'd see them steal out of the lockers at school. I'd see that some of them bring alcohol. A few of them even brought chewing tobacco. Nobody ever tried that in school, right? So I was just disillusioned. I was disappointed with God, if there was a God. And so I started yelling at God and having a conversation with God. God, go ahead, God, tell me, show me. Tell me that you're real. Tell me that you're really there. Tell me, I want to see, God. And I know you're not supposed to put the Lord your God to the test. And I knew that scripture then, but I did it anyway. And I was sitting and kind of being mad at God. And I just finally looking for any way to see God fail. I wanted God to fail. I wanted to be released from the convictions I had in my heart and what my youth pastors were telling me. So I looked up, and there was a fly in the corner. And there's a hand tail. So I grabbed the hand tail, and I said, Okay, God, if you're real, if you exist, let me kill this fly with this hand tail. I wanted him to fail. I mean, even if I extended everything out, it would only reach about three-quarters of the way to the fly. So God was going to fail no matter what. So I flicked that towel half-heartedly. And about that time, the fly flew off the wall. The towel hit that fly, and it snapped, and that fly ceased to exist. <laughs> this is my experience, by the way. And I just went, okay. I put my head down, and I said, God... I don't know how, but you're going to use me someday. And that was the day, even though I was baptized a couple years earlier, that was the day I remember I turned my life and my heart completely over to God and said, I'm going to live for you. I didn't know how it was all going to work out, so I was going to be an electronic engineer. God had other plans. But you need to have your own story that you can share with people. Second, and this could be actually probably first, use words from the Bible. Select a verse or two that is spoken to be real to you and true in your life. Scripture carries its own power down through the ages Millions and millions of people have come to Christ because of the word of God that grabbed them through Scripture. They picked up a Bible and started reading, or they heard some quote from something that had God's word in it. There is power in the word of God. And when people hear it or read it, amazing things can happen. Anybody ever been to a Billy Graham crusade? Any hands? Oh, we've got one, two. 
Yeah, I did. I worked it too. Um, he's brought hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. And he said that he learned over the years, the more quotes of Scripture that he used during his talks, the more people came and responded at the invitation time. For us as individuals, it's important that we know some Scripture that is especially meaningful to us. And it's important that we're able to tell how those words from God have been real and true in our lives. A person I talked to the other day said, when things go from bad to worse, I'm reminded of these words. In Jeremiah 29, 11, where God said, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. They said when they look back, they see how God has used those words so many times in their lives. If we give up when we're in struggles and hard times, you can't ever look back to see how God worked. It's when we get to look back and say, oh, I see what you were doing, God. I see how you work this out for good for your kingdom. Because when we're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like it. And we're praying and we're asking and we're asking God to show us. But when we can look back and say, oh, I see what you're doing. So make it personal. Add a quote. And of course, it's a good plan in, in advance for an opportunity to tell your story for people. Remember that you already know the question. Will you please tell me about Jesus? It's wise to plan in advance, to get ready in advance. So think on these things. And if you're interested in writing down some scriptures this morning, this is a time to get your pencils ready because I've got some scriptures that I want to share this morning that are going to help us all as we look at sharing the gospel with other people. First of all, we need to know the living God. You know the creator of the universe personally. You have a relationship with God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. John chapter 1, verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. John 1.10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Second, we need to speak to him. We need to pray. So important to communicate with our Creator. Every day, taking time for direct communication with the ruler of the universe, the one who created you. He is the one who created that person sitting next to you. He's created the person that's going to come and ask you the question, tell me about Jesus. Romans 10, 17 so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ.
John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. When you've taken time to log scriptures into your memory, to memorize them or even read them a lot, when you need them, the Holy Spirit will bring them up to you. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Third, God guides your steps through his word and through this, his conversation with you. So trust God to lead you and to guide you. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. Trust God to lead you. Fourth, God has a plan for you. You may not know it yet, but he knew it before you were knit together in your mother's womb. Psalm 139.15 and 16 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depth of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. To know that, that God sets people apart and aside and knows you far in advance. Joseph in the Bible, Moses, David. I mean, we can look through all the Bible and how he knew them and prepared them. We got to know that he's doing the same for us. We're not insignificant. You are so important to God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, and he has a hope and a future for you. Fifth, he sanctifies your suffering. There is suffering in everyone's life, unfortunately. But when you commit your life to God, the Lord takes your tribulation and your pain and your heartache and he gives it meaning. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 12 through 19 says. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those whom do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone for the reason, for the hope that is you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good rather than doing evil. For Christ died uh, for Christ died for sins once and for all, 
the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but also made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who, uh, that are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of me, because of the righteousness, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. I heard about a missionary in Argentina in the 19th century who worked faithfully all of his life, but never saw fruits of his labor. He wrote in his journal that he was doing his work for the Lord, and it was his hope that his sacrifice and his suffering would at least pave the way for those who came after. Now, years after his death, that church is thriving in that part of the world. His work was not in vain, even though he got to, didn't get to see anybody come to Christ while he worked there. He created relationships. He got into the community, and then they came to know Christ. Another, another story from another missionary went to work in a, in a village, and they weren't allowed to come up into the village ever to live even though they tried to create the relationships. So one of the things that they did is they bought some chickens and they traded eggs with the village and created a relationship that way. And the young man that would come to get the eggs to take them back to the village because they weren't allowed into the village continued to do that and, and the wife would continue to uh, tell him about Jesus. But nothing came of it and they left the mission field. They had a baby during that time. The wife also got sick and died during that time. And the husband was angry at God. So what did he do? He went and gave up the baby for adoption. Into another missionary couple. And she was raised with them. And one day... She was at a conference, and she's listening to a story of a young man say how he used to buy chicken eggs. And a woman would tell him about Jesus and how his village came to Christ. And now he's speaking in front of hundreds of thousands of people in Korea. All because somebody didn't give up, continued to share the gospel. So the young lady went and talked to him and found out it was her parents. And so she was able to connect and see the work that Christ did. Sometimes it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Sometimes it seems like it's never going to happen. 
But if we stick to it, if we share with gentleness and respect and let others know to whoever asks, it's not, not many of us are going over to the mission field anytime soon. Some of us went a few weeks ago and uh, got to share what we could in Mexico City, but not all the time happening. When you get that opportunity, share the gospel. Six, know that God forgives you, that you're not stuck in your sins. The world would love for you to just think you're stuck. You can't get out of your sins. You can't, there's no escape. We're all sin, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But we're free from the eternal punishment for these things that we've done because God loves us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 is for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, also, uh, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in his heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the great riches of his grace expressed in his king, uh, kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good for those uh, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have God's forgiveness available to you. And everybody needs to know that because sometimes we get stuck, don't we? And we think there's no way out. But if we will go before God and ask and cry out, God is just and good to forgive us. Finally, you have God's promise of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that none should perish, right? We all know that scripture. As used in the Bible, eternal life is more than just the bliss that you can expect after you die. Eternal life means a new plane of living with God, and that is not diminished by disaster, disappointment, or defeat, or even death. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. He suffered defeat and disappointment and death, and yet he rose again. And because of him, we have a life that is not diminished by disease or disaster or disappointment or defeat 
or death. There is so much for which we can be thankful for as a Christian. There is much in our lives that we can turn and know that we have hope. So how can we give that to somebody else? When they come to you and say, hey, tell me about Jesus. Be prepared for that moment. Prepared to share. Have your story ready. And do it with gentleness and respect. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.